0: Chapter Four. I wish I could tell you that I, uh, I wanted to preach something else, like Andrew had just said last week or the week before. I said I got my, I got my message, you know, man of God, uh, walking with God from from the camp. I said I don't have to worry about putting anything together, and God said no. I'm like, Lord, it's already done. (laughs) It's preached and everything. I know when to yell and when not to, you know. Uh, So anyway, this happened yesterday and this morning. So uh, let's pray before we get started. I need the Lord to help me and help you here and help me tell you. Lord, I just pray that you'd just bless our time together. It's a big subject, Lord, and it has everything to do with our relationship with you. So, Father, I pray that you just speak to our hearts, help me to preach the word of God this morning, as you helped all the preachers up there at camp. It's just, just marvelous, Lord. Uh, amongst the devil's fightings, and uh, some of us may even feel in our spirit uh, the devil's just trying to work on us. Lord, I pray you put a, just bind his hands this morning and help us to get something out of this this message on forgiveness. Uh, so Lord, I just pray you'd bless our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Ephesians chapter four and verse thirty. Ephesians four thirty. It says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You know, I thought about this, what we're doing this month. It's about the transformation of salvation. Think about how much God has changed you. The moment you got saved, you became a child of God, and how much more He's doing in your life as you continue to walk with Him and you read your Bible and you start growing a little bit. And Some things are leaps and bounds. Other things are baby steps. But uh, now that we're a new creature, you know we can actually forgive like Jesus forgave us? I, it just like bounced into my heart, the fact that you know, if Jesus lives inside of me, then I should be able to forgive the way Jesus forgave me. In fact, that's what it says, that we ought to forgive others for his sake, for his sake, because of how much he's forgiven us. So the new creature can forgive like Jesus Christ. You know, there's so many broken relationships, so many strained marriages, uh, so many brothers and sisters uh, and, you know, Christians that are against each other, and um, it's just a shame in the church that those things go on. They don't have to continue on. Uh, Forgiveness can be offered, and forgiveness uh, can be accepted, and um, people can ask for forgiveness. But all those strained relationships, and and uh, even in in marriages, you know, you you have problems, and one doesn't want to ask forgiveness, and one doesn't um, one doesn't want to give forgiveness. It's all about offenses. We offend people. We cause them to stumble. Uh, That's what an offense is: causing somebody to stumble or uh, causing someone to fall into sin or say something sinful and uh and then we can have an unforgiving heart that winds up being bitter and and uh, angry and so it's a big subject forgiveness it's not going to be handled in this 45 minutes or so because salvation means that I am forgiven. Well the moment I got saved I was forgiven of all my sins. So it's a huge subject it's from Genesis to Revelation Because Jesus is in the book from Genesis to Revelation. You know, think, how many times have you said, I'm sorry? Maybe a lot, maybe a little. You remember? Keep count of them. Every time you said, I'm sorry. And you said that expecting the person to say, I forgive you. You probably wouldn't have asked if you didn't expect a, I forgive you. You wanted that. You know why? You needed it. You needed to know that you were forgiven. When you ask forgiveness, you want to know that you can be forgiven. You want to break down that wall that's thrown up between you and that other person. And Satan has to skedaddle when there's forgiveness between brothers and sisters. He can't can't remain there anymore. That's not a place for Satan. How many times has someone said, forgive me to you? How many times have you asked God to forgive you? And how many times have you said, I forgive you? Are you a forgiving person? Or do you hold grudges? And keep it inside and they're going to pay for what they did. They're going to pay for what they said. They hurt me. Do You know pride shuts down forgiveness in all of its aspects. Pride shuts down both sides of the equation person asking and the person that would have to give the the, uh, the forgiveness. Whether we're asking or giving forgiveness, pride shuts that down. Let me remind you that the devil never once has said he's sorry for all the pain and all the sorrow he's caused in this world. You know why? He's prideful. He is. He is the epitome of pride. He would never bow the knee and humble himself and say Lord forgive me. It's not going to happen. And that's why we don't many times, because it takes humility. If you can't say, I'm sorry, or extend forgiveness to another person, there's definitely a problem. And that problem is in our heart. You know, Jesus never once hesitated to ask forgiveness, or to, to give forgiveness, to offer forgiveness to someone. He never once hesitated to offer forgiveness. He's just so wonderful. That he would be always ready to forgive. Turn to Psalm one thirty. Psalm one thirty. Psalm one thirty, in verse three. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. Isn't that amazing? Imagine if God showed you every time you came to Him and asked Him for forgiveness or when you were getting saved He showed you that big long list of all those sins. He constantly marked our iniquities before our face. But when you go to Him and ask forgiveness, He just offers it freely. There's not going to be more sin than there is forgiveness for those sins. And that's why he should be feared. And he's in, we're in awe of him, of who he is. He's so wonderful. Turn to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. would venture to say that there are plenty of people in here that need to forgive somebody that they never forgave, and there's people in here that probably need to ask somebody for forgiveness, and they haven't asked, and it just simmers, and it makes our hearts hard, and it makes our hearts bitter, and we don't have to carry it around with us. I just wanted to say that Matthew chapter 18, you know, deals with so much... It talks about in the beginning, about becoming a little child. you know what the disciples were concerned about, who's going to be the greatest in heaven and jesus took took him a little child off to the side and said, Incept you become like this little child, you need to be converted in order to enter into the kingdom of heaven. you have to humble yourself. so he talks about humility. We see that in verse four, but then he begins to talk about offenses, especially offending one of these little ones to keep them from entering in. To the kingdom of God. be better to have a millstone hanged around your neck and thrown into the depths of the sea to offend a child. Verse 7. Woe unto the world because of offenses. For it must needs be that offenses come. But woe to that man whom the offense cometh. Then he talks about if this hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's an offense. Cut it off if it allows you to enter into the kingdom of God. That's how important it is to be saved. That's how how much. If this hand or this eye or this foot, it would be better to cut off your foot than to let it take you places that would keep you out of the heaven out of heaven. It's an offense. It causes you to stumble into sin. And then he begins to talk about the ninety and nine sheep, and and Jesus doesn't want to lose one. He doesn't want to lose one person. He'll go out and search for them. None need to be left behind. Talking about offenses between brothers and the Lord. You know there should not be one thing between me and you. Nothing. If it's here today, we need to get it settled. Not just me. Talking about everybody. Really, if you're carrying a grudge, you need to sit down and talk to that person about that. Because it can become so much more. Kind of like the pot boiling over. Still trying to figure out why I'm preaching this. But in verse 21, it says this. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. There's the kingdom of, then he goes into this parable about forgiveness. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him ten thousand talents. But forasmuch as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him, and forgave him that debt. But that same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence, and he had ha- and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. He's- and he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry, and he came and and told unto their Lord all that was done. And his Lord, after he had called him, and said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother, their trespasses. So the whole chapter seems to be deal- dealing with humility and offenses, and then it deals with forgiveness. God's concerned about little ones and, and us big, big people, about being offended and making sure things are right between each other. It's the forgiving spirit that we need, because some never ask For forgiveness. But it's there. If you ask, forgiveness is there. God wants things resolved. He doesn't want things hanging. He wants things tied off. He wants peace in our hearts. No loose ends. He wants love and He wants grace. Not bitterness and anger in the heart of His children. So comes verse 21. The question... On forgiveness. A brother offended. Proverbs. You can run over the Proverbs 18:19. I'm just going to read one verse. But Proverbs 18:19 says this. A brother offended is harder to be one than a strong city. And their contentions are like the bars of a castle. And there's not one brother here that hasn't been offended. None of us. That haven't been offended. Or sisters. That said, you hardened right up i would never forgive you for what you said to me. I can't believe you treated me like that. A brother offended is like the bars of a castle. They're hard. It's hard to get in there. But forgiveness will. Forgiveness will get in there. It may be hard, but it's up to us to have a forgiving spirit. You know, Peter asked a question we all want to ask. (laughs) How many times do I have to forgive that brother? In fact, Luke 17 says... Every day. Not just seven times in a lifetime. Seven times daily. If he just keeps... If he if he offends me seven times in a day, how often do I have to forgive him? He asks the same question that we would ask. How many times do I have to forgive this person? They keep offending me. It's grace. It's grace that we need to extend to others. And it should happen more than seven offenses in a day. We should have, live lives of grace like the Lord Jesus Christ extends to us. We like to think of ourselves as forgiving people, though. I'm sure if I asked you, uh, are you a forgiving person? You'd say, of course I am. I'm a very forgiving person until somebody offends you and then you're not a forgiving person. This offense I can take, but not this one. Aren't you glad Jesus said I can take them all? Well, he lives inside of me now. So there's nothing that you should be able to do to me to cause me to not be able to forgive you. There's nothing easy about it. Jesus has to do it through us. We are forgiving people right up to the point we don't forgive. To forgive is to release someone of the debt that you feel they owe you. They've treated you a certain way. They've said something and they've offended you. They owe you. They come, should come grovel at your feet and ask forgiveness for what they've done. But to forgive them is to release them of that debt. When they come, they don't come growling. They humble themselves and they ask for forgiveness. And you release them of that debt that you feel they owe. And only love and forgiveness could possibly break through that barrier. That has to come through Jesus Christ who lives inside of us. That love and forgiveness. It is not in our flesh. It's not in us to do that. It is not in us to do that. But it isn't the Lord who lives inside of us to do that. When is it okay not to forgive? What's the limit, Peter said? He even gives the Lord a number. Good for him. Seven times, Lord? When you say, when can you say, no, I'm not forgiving anymore and it's okay with Jesus? It's enough. Seven times in a day. And I would ask you a question. When would Jesus not forgive? Or could not forgive? Should I go to the Scripture? Yeah, go over to Matthew 12 because it's in Matthew. It's Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. Jesus always forgives except... Matthew 12, verse 22. Then was brought unto him, Jesus, one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb, and he healed him inasmuch that the blind and the dumb both spake and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the devil himself, you see, the prince of the devils. He's doing it by a demon spirit. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he's divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? You can't fight against yourself. And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Hmm. Therefore they shall be your judges. judges. The Pharisees, And uh, these other followers and their children who said they would cast out devils. Who are they casting the devils out in? In whose name? Jesus said in verse 28, But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then guess what? The kingdom of God has come unto you. Or else, how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods except first he bind the strong man and then he will spoil his house? And you know what? Jesus is the one that goes in and binds the devil's hands. The devil's that strong man. How in the world am I going to be able to forgive somebody if I do it with the spirit of of Satan? I can't cast Satan out. If I'm Satan, that's a house divided. So first I bind Satan. And then I cast him out. You know, Leighton Kelly had his house robbed while he was up at, at the camp and had to leave. And... uh that's why, ultimately, uh, Andrew had to preach at the last minute. The devil was fighting up at camp. Some people know that. And he was fighting right from the opening bell of our prayer time. He didn't like it one bit. I know he didn't. So anyway, they broke into Leighton Kelly's house back in Tallitt, I guess. he's up in Tallitt. But uh, apparently, when Claire and the kids came home, she scared them and they... Went back out the back door with a few iPads and Kindles and things like that. And, uh, but they left a sock full of jewelry on the bed. They must have got startled and ran out. But you know what? If Layton was home, they wouldn't have came in like that. If the strong man was at home, that wouldn't have happened. And that's what Jesus is saying here. You know, a house divided against itself cannot stand. I'm not casting out the devils in the name of the devil. You are ascribing the works of God to Satan. Or should I say it the other way? You're telling me Satan's the one casting out Satan? How foolish they were. Verse 30 says, He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Look at verse 31. Wherefore I say unto you, All manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him. Neither in this world, neither in the world to come. You know, you can say whatever you want against Jesus Christ. And you can be saved. And it can be forgiven you. But the moment you start rejecting the very one that's trying to offer forgiveness, you're rejecting the forgiveness. In fact, you can't be forgiven if you reject the forgiver. You can say what you want against Jesus Christ. And he'll forgive you. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Well, the Holy Spirit comes and wants to offer forgiveness and convict you and bring you to a place of salvation. If you reject Him, you cannot be forgiven. It's not that Jesus doesn't offer it. God doesn't offer it. But you've blasphemed the Holy Spirit of God. You've pushed away the One that wants to give you that forgiveness. So, go back to Matthew chapter 18. Just back a few pages. When would Jesus not forgive? When He can't forgive. When you reject Him. There's people maybe in here that still aren't saved. You've rejected the Lord. He can't forgive you, but if you would receive Him as your Savior, He'll forgive you of every sin. Every blasphemy. Every vile sin can be forgiven. You know, the truth is, we are We are most like Jesus Christ when we forgive others. That is a great uh, characteristic of Jesus Christ that lives in us, and we can offer forgiveness to someone else when they ask for it. You know what Mark Twain said? And I don't know if he was a Christian or not, but he sure got this right. Forgiveness is the fragrance that the violet sheds on the heel that has crushed it. The more you crush the flower, the sweeter the aroma comes out. And there's some people, no matter what you do to them, they're always willing to forgive. It's Jesus. He's hanging on a cross. And He said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Always willing to forgive. What could be done to you that you will not forgive? You know, verse 22 Chapter 18 and verse 22, Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee, unto seven times, but unto, until seventy times seven. Seven times seventy. More grace for that offending brother or sister. Forgiveness is not calculated. It's not meted out in little doses. Some of you take medicine. I do. And I take a dose. I can't take the whole bottle at once and say, good, I'm good for the month. I have to take it in doses. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is not metered out in little doses. It comes freely, openly, to whoever needs it. We should be able to offer forgiveness to that person. It's offered freely to the very person who offended you, that hurt you. Stand ready and willing to forgive. Did you ever hear these people? On television sometimes, maybe you see it, or in the news, and and, uh, they've lost a child, some child. uh, Some guy kidnapped the child and then killed the child. And they say, I've forgiven them. And you're like, yeah, give me ten minutes alone with this guy. You know? Where's my forgiving attitude? How did they get there? How can you forgive like that? I just think it's only the Lord Jesus Christ in that person that can provide that kind of willingness to overlook. You know, Jesus is the bomb of Gilead. How do you overlook that? They must have somewhere to run. They must have somewhere to hide. They must have somewhere to go to absorb the hurt and the pain of all that. Peter wanted to know when he could stop forgiving. Peter should have asked for help to forgive because it's hard sometimes not ask how many times Lord give me more you know what happens when you get into the ministry guess what gets hurt the most your heart and I asked him a, a brother that had been in the ministry a whole lot longer than me what do you do when you know you get hurt he said get a bigger heart Come on, show me the chapter. And I think he did in Second Corinthians. My heart is enlarged. And I thought, that's a bad thing, I thought, if you had an enlarged heart. You know. <laughs> he said, Dan, get a bigger heart. All right. Just stand ready to forgive. That'll help. Just be ready to forgive people, no matter what they do to you. You do need this as much as I do, I hope. Some of us need to start forgiving. Be a forgiving person. I don't even know if C.S. Lewis was a Christian. Some people said he was. But he did say this. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable. Because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. Jesus is our example of that. when, When he's hanging on a cross, as I said before, when he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Now, verse 23 through 27 is this parable. All right, about this king who came to reckon with his servants. The king had every right to take account of his servants, and so does Jesus with us. We also owe a debt that we couldn't pay. Do you remember? When you came to him to be saved. you couldn't pay that debt. If you did want to pay that debt, you would go to hell to pay that sin debt that you owed. You couldn't possibly pay for it on this side of hell unless you asked the king to forgive you. So Jesus can reckon with all of his people. Interestingly though, the servant humbly worships the Lord and asks for patience and he would pay. He asked the Lord for patience, this king. And this desire of that man to turn and humble himself and desperately ask for patience to pay back a debt he really couldn't pay broke the heart of the king. Broke the heart of the king. And the king had compassion on him. The king had compassion on him. You know, you have to think about how much did you owe? When you went to Jesus to ask for forgiveness, how much did you owe? Was it ten thousand or fifty million? (laughs) How much did we owe when we went to the Lord and asked? And you know what? He forgave you of every one. Why? Because you humbled yourself and saw Him for what He was—the King of Glory, the young on that cross for me. He's my Savior. He has every right to hold me accountable for every wicked thing I've done. He said, Lord, please forgive me. And He did. When you turned in repentance to Him and asked Him to save you, He saved you. You know, verse 25 says, But for as much as He had not to pay, His Lord commanded Him to be sold, and His wife and children, and all that He had the payment to be made. You know, the Lord could just be just and say, you're going to hell. We just come back from the men's camp. And God's long suffering ran out. The ark did stand there for a long time. They could have got on the ark. But justice finally will come. God is as holy as He is loving. Otherwise, what would one mean without the other? So justice could have been done. Throw them all in jail. But the servant humbled himself and worshipped Him. And asked him a simple question. And that moved the heart of that king. How would you feel if you were faced with that righteous judgment and then outpours this grace on your life that you didn't deserve? Obviously, it's grace. When we humble ourselves and ask for forgiveness, you know what Jesus says? Forgiven. If I confess my sins, He's faithful and just to forgive me of all my sins and to cleanse me of all my unrighteousness. That's for the Christian. But he did it for you when you got saved. And here you are. Debt's been paid. You're free to go just like this servant. He's free to go. The debt is paid by the creditor. Not the debtor. It's like, uh, let me see. Um, It's like a maxed out credit card. You know there's credit cards that will give you up to $20,000 worth of debt you can pile up. Well, what if you did that? You piled up $20,000 worth of debt and said, I only have $50 a month to send them. Guess what? You wouldn't pay it off in 10 lifetimes. And then the credit card company calls you up on the phone and says, Graham, guess what? We're paying your credit card off. That's the creditor paying off for the debtor, what the debtor owes. Jesus did a whole lot more than that. There was a sin, a list a mile long of our sins piled up before God and he said Strike them off. I'm forgiven every one of them, because you turned to him and asked for forgiveness. The the one that you owed paid the debt for you, and for me. And that's what he expects us to do. Because in verse twenty eight, but the same servant went out. Here he is loosed. I'm free. I have liberty now. I can go. The debt's paid. It's all off my back. All the sin is off my back. This servant said, I don't owe that 10,000 talents anymore. I don't owe it. It's like the mortgage being paid off. It's like the deed being put in your hand for a house you worked so hard for. But they just paid it all for you and gave it to you. And you're free. And it says, but that same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him a hundred pence. I don't even know how much that is, but it's certainly not 10,000 talents. It's his little pittance. And he refused to forgive him. He refused to forgive him. How do we respond? How do we respond to Christ's forgiveness toward us? How soon we forget. It happens in that moment. And we have to remind ourselves later, wait a minute, I'm a forgiven child of God. Why can't I offer forgiveness to this person? They just didn't say the right thing the right way or something. And all of a sudden I'm holding them accountable for that by the throat. Some little offense. Why? It's like a, tr- a hair trigger, you know? We're touchy. And we hold others accountable. Apparently, a humble request from them to us for patience didn't move this servant. And sometimes it doesn't move us. We suddenly can't offer any grace to somebody. The servant, in verse 29, fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. We heard that before, didn't we? From the same man. He said the same words. Why do you think this man came to him? And asked him the same thing. And here we find he doesn't have any grace. And he would not. No move to pity. No compassion. He holds him by the throat. Holds him accountable. And we do the same thing when we won't offer forgiveness to someone who slighted us in, the, in sometimes the smallest way. We just can't hold grudges. Satan loves grudges. Murmuring. Complaining. Gossip. He loves it. He's right there. The same way Jesus Christ inhabits the praise of His people, Satan inhabits grudges and murmuring and complaining and a bitter spirit. He's right there. We're to trust God for justice and forgive the person who offended us. Look in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3.13 Forbearing one another. Colossians 3.13 Forbearing one another. And forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. It's an action on our part. It's an action of our will. That I'm gonna, I'm gonna act and be like Jesus Christ. I'm gonna put up with it. I'm gonna pay the debt. I'm gonna be a forgiving person. No quarrels, no fighting, no complaining, just offering forgiveness. When someone be ready to forgive. You know, his response, this, uh, this man's response was to go for the throat. He went right for the throat and held this this man accountable for this minor debt. Just pennies. And then threw him into prison. Let me ask you this. Where did all this anger and bitterness come from? Where did this response come from? Turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15. Well, verse 14 says, Follow peace with all men, which is going to include forgiving, and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. How do you follow peace with all men? Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. He failed the grace of God. That's what happened. He forgot the grace of God that was bestowed to him. He forgot how much grace was poured out on his life. And when we forget what God has done for us, it's easy to hold somebody else accountable. The moment you have in the back of your mind or down in your heart how much grace God showed to you, there's not one thing somebody can do to you that you can't forgive. Because you realize how much you've been forgiven for And you fail the grace of God. And the more that you hold up forgiveness to others, a root of bitterness begins to spring up. And it has deep, deep, deep roots. And it begins to control your life. And you become an angry person. And you forget about the grace of God that was shown to you. You know, a whole lot more grace and forgiveness was shown to you than what you want to have to offer to that person for that small little slight. In the big scheme of things, that's about all it is. So forgiveness needs to be settled in the heart, not the head. You know what happened. You realize it. and Your flesh is telling you to attack that person, but your heart says, no. Not after what God's done for me. No, not after what Jesus did for me on the cross. Not after He shed His blood for every sin that I committed. I'm going to forgive you. And I am not going to hold you accountable. No. And that has to happen down in here. Let the forgiveness of God for your life affect your heart. And when it does, nobody can say anything. Yes, you could be stunned and offended, sometimes very hurt that somebody would treat you like that. But stand ready to forgive. Just like Jesus was. You know, the effect of that unforgiveness on others. Look back in Matthew chapter... Matthew chapter 18 and verse 12. I'm sorry, verse 31. The effect of unforgiveness on others. Verse 31, Matthew 18. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Look at the reaction. They had just seen this man forgiven. And now they see him holding someone else to account. This isn't helping them one bit. This is not a good testimony. Romans uh, 14.7 says, uh, we don't live unto ourselves and we don't die unto ourselves. We're not an island. Everybody sees my life and I see your life. Whether you know or not, you're looking at other people's lives and you saw if you saw what that man was doing to him, it would affect you. Why is he doing that? Of course, you might be doing the same thing. But the idea is, is that be aware that people are watching you. Back in Hebrews 12, uh, 12, 15, it said that a root of bitterness begins to spring up in you and many be defiled. Many are affected. Many are corrupted by my attitude of unforgiveness. My bitterness affects others. Now you know why nobody wants to be around you. There's an angry spirit inside. There's a root of bitterness inside. It affects others. And you know what? The bottom line is, people get a wrong view of God. Instead of them seeing Christians who are forgiving like their Savior is, they don't see God like that. He is that mean man up there who wants to just throw me into hell. They get the wrong view. They don't see forgiveness, the forgiveness of Jesus Christ in our lives. You know that defile that defilement just pours out. Sometimes it remains locked up, and people it it, it destroys people. Bitterness will physically destroy you. And unforgiveness. Physically. But when it comes out, it's like poison not coming out of the bottle, man. It defiles everybody. It hurts everybody around them. And that's what happened here <laughs> with this uh, with this servant holding this person accountable and others watching his bitter, angry spirit. Now, what was the response of the king? Look back in Matthew 18 and we'll just look here in verse 32. Then his Lord after that he had called him and said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. You know, the response of the king is just like the response from God. If you want, to hold your finger. Go over to Matthew chapter 6. Just Matthew chapter 6. Just a few pages to the left. Look what it says there. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 14. For if ye forgive men their trespasses... Your heavenly father will also forgive you. Well, I knew that. I knew he'd forgive me anyway. Well, the next verse says, But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. What's your attitude toward forgiveness? See, the problem is, uh, if you don't forgive, if you don't ask for, uh, if you're asking for forgiveness and you still haven't forgiven someone else, you're forgetting something. You're forgetting that sin. Jesus said, I can't forgive you until you go forgive. You're asking for forgiveness, but you're not asking forgiveness for this sin. So I won't forgive you until you get that settled. Leave your, leave your what does it say? Leave your gift at the altar and go make yourself right with your brother. For, unforgiveness, as, as the Lord Himself said, is wicked. It's sinful. So every time we don't forgive somebody... We're carrying around that wicked spirit, that sinful spirit. You could not offer forgiveness to to another person. You couldn't show compassion to somebody else. So, if you will not forgive, you stand in need of forgiveness. I guess that's another way to say it. In fact, that's what I wrote down. I should have read that before. If you if you will not forgive, then you stand in need of forgiveness. You still have that you have that wicked, sinful attitude inside of you. We have been forgiven by simply asking. But now we hold withhold forgiveness for others. We've offended God when we do that. We've offended the Lord when we won't offer forgiveness to others. We feel as if this offense or the, the debt that's against us, the slight that somebody has caused against us is greater than our offenses toward God. Could somebody possibly do something to me Greater than what I did to, to the Lord? No. Like I said, it's, it's not easy. It has to be the Holy Spirit in you doing this. It's not in us to do that. It has to be the Lord in us. So what do we have to do? We have to yield and humble ourselves. So, and that's when you walk up to a person and you say, would you forgive me? And they can look you in the eye and they say, yes. They know that you mean it. They know that you're truly asking for forgiveness for what you've done, that you're repentant in a sense. You're sorry for what you've done. It's when you go ask somebody sorrowful for forgiveness and they go, no. How much more can you do? That's all you can do. You can't make them forgive you. It's just like when, you, when someone's offended you and you are full of forgiveness but they never ask you, forgive me. Why don't they ask me? I'm ready. That's what God wants from us. The attitude of forgiveness inside of us. I can't make somebody come and ask me for forgiveness. <laughs> come and ask me, I'll forgive you. <laughs> come on. <laughs> I guarantee you I'm ready to forgive. Because <laughs> they just won't come. That is not on you. That's, that's on them. You certainly can't go over and say, I forgive you for everything you've done. What did I do? Maybe they don't even know they did something. They don't even know they offended you. I did? I offended you? Oh, really? You know, now now you're, now you're offending each other. So there's a way of handling this. All I'm saying is you need to always stand ready to forgive. That's what Jesus said. I don't know what would you call it. It's not being a pincushion, but it is being a pin cushion. Just take it in, enlarge your heart, and go to Christ. I want to get to that point in the end because have we forgotten the cost of our sin? Have we forgotten the high price that was paid at Calvary? Can you think of anything? Any higher price that was paid? For our sin. Your sin. Each one of us. (laughs) And that was to redeem us, to buy us back. God holds us accountable for our actions. You know what He said to do with this guy here? Uh, Verse 34, And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due him. Guess what? He went right where he he was trying to avoid, back into prison. He's never going to pay that debt. He had the opportunity. Don't equate this with salvation. You can't lose your salvation. It's It's a picture of how Christ forgives and how we should forgive others. That's what it is. God holds us accountable. And finally, he says, for us, we will be in, in bitterness of soul. We're not going to get thrown into a prison. We get thrown into our own prison. The fact that we have this bitterness of soul. Look, I, I wish I could tell you the whole story. It's just it's, it's just nothing you need to hear. But, you know, we felt like we were, Kathy and I were felt like we were hurt so bad. You could tell the same stories. And I don't want, want you to think... But God, we felt like someone had hurt us so bad. And how many years before there was real forgiveness? Man, you don't want to go around like that. Because you're, you're always running a little bit under where you're supposed to be, you know? You you're always have that, it's there, it's tucked away in your heart. Like it's in a safe that you can't get to. Or you're holding on to it. Mm. I'm telling you. Get rid of it. It causes a bitterness in your soul. You feel like your spirit is tormented. Actually, you're in need of forgiveness again. You should go to God and say, forgive me for hanging on to this thing and holding these grudges. Doesn't work, does it? Finally, what do we do with the hurt? You know, so you exercise forgiveness. You say, okay, I've learned now I need to forgive everyone. And I'm going to ask the Lord to empower me, to help me. And I'm going to yield to the Holy Spirit. I'm going to start humbling myself and realize that you can't hurt me more than I hurt Jesus. So I'm going to offer forgiveness. And you find out how, much, how well it works. And people say, thank you so much for forgiving me. I was hoping you would. And it restores the relationship again. And they walk away. And you're happy the relationship is stored. Guess what's still there? The debt. Somebody's got to eat the debt. The hurt. The credit card company says, Graham, don't worry about your credit card. We're going to eat all that. We're going to pay that debt. By the way, I'm not picking on Graham because he has maxed out his credit card either. (laughs) I don't know something that you don't know. (laughs) But what I'm saying is, what about us? We still were hurt. Bad. But you've given offered forgiveness. Now, that in itself is a help. But when you forgive someone, like Jesus forgave us, it means that you're going to have to pay the debt, like He paid the debt. Look what it cost Him. And the innocent, in a sense, the offended, The one slighted is releasing the offender of the debt. That's what forgiveness is. You can go free. But when they go free, there's still a debt. There's still the hurt. We're still human beings. And it still hurts you in your heart. So what do you do with the hurtful offense, the offense, the troubled heart, and all the care from that? They go away happy. You're glad the relationship was restored. There is a sense of well-being. But then there's the, what about me? What about all the trouble and, and the care in and, and my heart? What do I do, Lord? They, the hurt's still there. Take it to Jesus. Take it to the Lord. As much as I could, I tried to find another way to do this. But there is no other way to do it. There's no magic pill. You're going to have to get on your knees and cast all your care upon Jesus Christ and let Him take the debt again. Turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And in verse 6 it says this. Philippians chapter 4 and in verse 6. Be careful for nothing. That means don't be full of care. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. Talk to God about it. Take it before a throne of grace. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. There's the peace. You want peace again. You've developed some peace because now you're right with your brother. But now the hurt needs to be taken care of. I'm taking that to Jesus. I'm going to cast that on him. Turn over to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5 and in verse 6, it says this. Humble yourselves. So it's going to take humility. Good. Good, you only have to do it when you're in your prayer closet. Humble before Jesus Christ. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. And every time I see that word "casting," I always think whether I'm, I was casting off the beach for fishing. I would take my big rod. Whoosh, that thing goes so far, you, you, you wouldn't be able to say it. Or where they take a net and they cast it, throw it on Jesus. Put the burden on Him and get it off of you onto Him. He can handle it. That's why He put it in the Bible. Humble yourself. Throw that care on Him. Why? Because He cares for us. He doesn't want us to carry that care around with us. Jesus will gladly relieve you of that burden. So what's the conclusion? Let's just read, let's just read Acts chapter 10. Turn to Acts Chapter Ten. Acts Chapter Ten, verse thirty nine. This is Paul with Cornelius. He's talking to him about Jesus and in verse 39, and we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded, and he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is He which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and the dead. To Him give all the prophets witness that through His name, whosoever believeth in Him shall receive the remission of sins. It was put on Him that you could receive the forgiveness of sins. If you're here this morning without Jesus Christ, then you have no remission of sins. Because Jesus is the one that died on the cross for the remission of sins. Maybe you need to think about it. Christian, who has hurt you so bad that you cannot forgive them? Who's hurt you that bad that you didn't hurt Jesus the same way and He offered you remission of sins? Who do you need to forgive right now? Even if it starts with you in your own heart, saying I am going to forgive that person, so I can be forgiven of God for this spirit, this bad spirit I've had, I may never be able to tell him. Maybe that time will never be right. Sometimes you can't have that. That that doesn't work. But you can have the spirit of forgiveness in your heart. Who do you need to forgive right now? But what I really wanted to ask you: Have you been forgiven? Have you been saved? You know for sure when you die, you're going to heaven because Jesus is the one that died on the cross for the remission of sins, for the forgiveness of sins. If you need to be saved, today would be a good day to get saved. Amen? Let's pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you, Lord. The verses that we read about you, Lord, how you gave us that parable to understand just what you did for us—you forgave us of a debt we. There's no way we could have paid it, not on this side of hell, Lord. And now you ask the same of us, and the debt is so much smaller. It's not—it's not, it's not a billions and billions of people's vile sins. It's just one person whom we may even love, that has hurt us, and we're not forgiving them. What is the matter with us, Lord? There's something wrong in our heart. If we can't walk out of here today, settled in our heart, that no matter, I have to go to that person, if that can be worked out, if it can't, I'm still going to have that forgiveness in my heart. I've got to release myself from this bitter spirit, this anger, so that I can forgive others. Forgive that person. There may be husbands and wives and brothers and sisters and friends. and Well, I pray, Lord, You'd help us just understand. Help us to forgive like You've forgiven us. That's all. And we do it for Your sake, Lord. And Father, I pray that if there's one here that's not saved this morning. They've never been forgiven. They're, they're going on empty. They are literally running on empty. They have all these sins. They cannot pay for them. And there you stand as the King of kings ready to release them of that debt. Why won't they come? Please, Lord, speak to hearts in the the invitation now in Jesus' name. Amen.